You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Let us pray. Jesus, in times like this, it is easy to lose sight of you, of your love, of your peace, of your mercy and your forgiveness. And so I pray today that you will reveal yourself to us once more. Open our eyes that we may see. May we not blink and miss out on the evidence of your handiwork that is all around us. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Happy Easter. Welcome, everyone. Uh, If I've not met you yet, my name is Bill, Pastor Bill. I get to be the lead pastor of this congregation, both here and uh, our other site up at the Pittsburgh Mills. Glad to have you with us today if you're a guest, and we invite you to make yourself at home and come back at any time. I'll be down front, and I'd love to meet you afterwards if you would be so kind to introduce yourself to me. Uh, we are in a sermon series that we began back in September that is really the theme for the year. It's not a series. It's a theme for the year that we're calling Step Forward, as you see the sign behind me here. And it comes from the passage in Galatians where it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so this whole year we've been talking about how do we step forward? How do we move forward? Because if we're in step with the Spirit of God, the assumption is that he's going to take us forward, not backwards. And I hope today that you're here today because you want to move forward, that you want to step forward in your life. And what a great day to do that on Easter Sunday. We are beginning today a new sermon series. You saw the title up there called Don't Blink. And really, it's about stepping forward with expectations. Don't blink or you'll miss it. God's always at work. If only we have eyes to see what the Spirit wants to say to us. And so today in the first message, and I hope that you'll be back next week and throughout this month as we continue this series, uh, we're, we're looking at the story here, but the series really comes from a passage in John's gospel. The beginning of the first chapter of John's gospel ends with Jesus calling several of his disciples and Philip, Nathaniel, a couple of those that he calls and he calls Nathaniel, and Nathaniel comes to him, and Jesus says, I saw you, and you were sitting under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's like, how did you know that I was there? And Jesus replies to him, and he says that you were impressed by that, but you're going to see even greater things than that. What a great invitation to follow Jesus. You know, you follow me, you're going to see greater things than that. In fact, he said, you're going to see heaven opened and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, he's saying, this is just the beginning of great things that are going to come. And so over the next few years, these followers followed him, and they actually did see greater things. They saw him turn the water into wine. They saw him uh, walk on water. They saw him feed the 5,000. They saw him open blinded eyes. They actually saw him raise the dead with Lazarus. I can't imagine how high their expectations were that day when Jesus walked, went into Jerusalem riding on the donkey. 
Because in their mind, what they were expecting was a Messiah who was going to come in and be like King David and overthrow the oppressing army, overthrow the Romans, and set up God's kingdom on earth in Jerusalem. Jesus, the rebel who everyone believed was the Messiah, would be the new earthly king. That was their expectations. They were so excited about that. But then imagine how deflated they were when those hopes and their expectations were dashed as they saw him being nailed to the cross. You see, they expected one thing, a popular uprising and the next King David to rule Jerusalem, but what they saw was something quite different, a failed rebel, another failed rebel nailed to a Roman cross. What they didn't expect was what happened that morning when Mary went to the tomb. They never expected that to take place. And so I want us to walk away today with this big idea that those who follow Jesus can expect the unexpected. Not only did his followers see these greater things, his signs and wonders that he did, But they saw heaven opened as they followed Jesus. In a sense, they saw heaven open to some of the most unexpected kinds of people, the unexpected characters that Jesus welcomed into his circle of friends. Jesus had a bad reputation because of the crowd that he hung around, because the good people didn't hang around those kinds of people. People that society had written off by the religious crowd, the adulterers, prostitutes, the demoniacs, the social outcasts, tax collectors, people that were on the fringes, they found a friend in Jesus. Isn't it ironic today that those kinds of people have a hard time finding friends in Christianity? We need to flip that story. We need to change that story. He had a way of meeting people right where they were without condemnation. And then, instead of enabling them where they were, he would empower them to walk away from their self-destructive lifestyles and become new people. In a sense, he gave people the opportunity to have a new beginning, and we call that resurrection, a new beginning. In this life, we can receive a resurrection, not just the life to come. So Jesus was carried from the cross, placed in the tomb, And his followers, deflated and defeated, apparently they probably, like you and I would have done, wrote him off at that point. Well, so much for following this guy. Though we saw all these greater things in heaven open, it didn't seem that he was the one. He was done. He was finished. He was dead. And their hopes were dashed. Mary Magdalene was one of those people that others had written off. Who was Mary Magdalene? A lot of people talk about that. Her last name really wasn't Magdalene. She was from Magdala, a little town on the coast of the Sea of Galilee, a little fishing village near Capernaum, really where Jesus, not far from Bethlehem and where Jesus came and some of the disciples were from. She's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. 
And here she is. It's mentioned actually in, in Luke. I want you to see this passage here in Luke chapter 8 where it talks about what she was, who she was. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 begins with, Soon afterward, Jesus began to tour the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. And he took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, what does that mean? What, 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 what was her condition? I think we can just assume at this point that, that from their vantage point, demons were people who were to- tormented. They were controlled by perhaps psychotic episodes. This woman would have been in constant anguish. She was probably a, a prisoner of inexplicable afflictions. She may have suffered seizures. I, we don't know. We can only guess. Maybe it was severe depression, anxiety, perhaps fears or self-loathing accompanied her shame. We can only assume that people in those days would have been friendless and restless and joyless and hopeless, probably shunned by people except maybe her closest family, and we don't even know that. At the very least, she had seven problems that she could not solve that were controlling her. And these are the people that others give up on, but not Jesus. He wouldn't give up, and he doesn't give up. It doesn't give, it's not in his nature. People write off people like Mary, but not Jesus. Jesus writes them in, and and here's the thing. When Jesus writes you in, you can expect greater things to happen. When he brings you in, You can expect greater things, the unexpected. The resurrection means that Jesus is still willing to write people in right where they are. He'll meet you right where you are, especially those who feel like they're on the out, especially feel like others had written them off. He met her in her darkest hour. And so this morning, after Jesus is crucified and put in this tomb, Mary rises up in the darkness and she goes to the tomb to complete the burial process by taking these powerful perfumes and pouring it over the cloth that wrapped him so that it would mask the stench of decaying flesh. And when she realized that the body wasn't there, rightfully she's distraught. Rightfully she assumes they stole the body. Somebody took him. So she runs back to where the disciples were, where they were hiding and sleeping, and and she reports to them. And it goes on here in John chapter 20, by the way, is where we're at. And he says, it says that Peter and the other disciple, and we know that this is John. He's writing this gospel, so he doesn't include his name. But the other disciple outran Peter. He likes to think he was fastest. And he stooped down and he looked in and he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and he went inside. Also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Interesting details. 
Then the other disciple also went in and he saw and he believed. For until then, they hadn't realized that the scripture said that he would rise from the dead. And then they went home. Interesting. Just one point I want to make out about this. There are three different words in the Greek that describe the progression of their experience. It says when John got there, it says he looked in. And the word there means he just glanced in. He didn't go in. He glanced in. All right. So he glanced. And then Peter, he gets there and, and Peter looks carefully and he observes some of the things that are happening. The, the, the burial cloth wrapped up or folded up. And then it says that, that, that John, he perceives it and he believes. And it's as if, boom, the light goes on. Do you see that? So they glance, they take a good look and investigate, and boom, the light goes on. Now, I think that describes really the condition of a lot of people here at Easter Sunday. Some are just taking a glance at Jesus, glance at Christianity, a glance at religion. Then there are those who are maybe getting a little more interested and they're investigating the claims, they're investigating it, they're willing to step inside and, 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 and sort of kick the tires and drive it around to change the metaphor. And then there are those, it's like, boom, the light goes on. And they believe. And I think all of us are at that point at one time and another. And maybe sometimes we go in and out of those different phases of our relationship with Jesus. But what happened was these disciples, Peter and John, expected to find one thing, a body. But they, they were shocked. They found the unexpected thing. They found an empty tomb. And and the light went on that Jesus did talk about this, but they didn't get it when he was talking about it. And so here it comes with Jesus. I think we need to really expect the unexpected, expect that Jesus may surprise us. And if we just have eyes to see and perceive, we can get it. And so though the light went on for Peter and John, it didn't come on so quickly for Mary. She was still distraught. And she remained while the other two went back. And I love this interaction that it describes here in John's gospel. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and she looked in. And she saw these two white robed angels sitting at the head and the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Why are you crying? <laughs> they asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. She glanced over her shoulder and she saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Why are you crying? He asks her again. And then he adds, who is it you're looking for? She thought he was the gardener. And she said, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him and I will go and get him. Mary. Jesus said, the light goes on. She turns, exclaims, Rabboni, teacher, teacher. And she stooped to look in. Remarkably, these angels were there and they asked her that question and Jesus asked her the same question. I can imagine in that state before the light went on how she was so afraid because 
Here's a woman who had this terrible condition before she met Jesus. Now Jesus isn't there and she's afraid that the old demons are going to come back again. She's afraid she's going to backslide into her old ways because it was Jesus that helped her, that healed her, that fixed her. And now he's gone. And maybe that going to the tomb that morning, she just wanted to have one last time in his physical presence because she was so afraid of what was going to happen. How would she survive without him? How could she live without him? And when the gardener repeats the question, why are you crying? He adds that, who are you looking for? And you can hear the desperation in her voice. Sir, if you just, if you've taken him away, let me know where he is. I need to be near him. I'll go get him. And then Jesus just says her name. I love it. I love it. You know, sound of a person's voice that we love connects with us deeply. Maybe not as quite as deep as a smell from your childhood and the, 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 the dinner rolls that my grandma used to make and you smell those dinner rolls and it's back to visiting grandma out in Washington County, you know, the smells. And, but voices of people that you know and love after you've missed them, you hear that voice, boom, you can recognize it like that. He speaks her name, the light goes on. She falls at his feet. She had written him off, but he had never written her off. And when Jesus writes you in, he calls you by name. He calls you by name. You know Jesus knows your name. But not just your name. He knows your fears. He knows your hopes. He knows your aspirations. He knows your dreams. He knows your hurts. He knows your confusions. He knows your disappointments. Jesus knows you better than anyone else. And he loves you more than anybody else. So she turned to him and she exclaimed, Teacher, Jesus says, don't cling to me. I have yet to ascend to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And so Mary found the disciples and she told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them his message. One translation says that Jesus said, stop clinging to me. Stop clinging to me. Stop clinging to me. She was clinging to the Jesus who was there in body. She didn't want to let him go. Please don't leave me. Don't, don't go away from me. I don't want to lose you. I can't handle life without you. And in a sense, she was clinging to the, to the past. She was clinging to the Jesus that she could see and hear and touch. But Jesus wanted her to learn that from now on, She's going to have to hold on to Jesus that she cannot see and hear and touch. Later, when Jesus appears to Thomas, you know the story, right? He, he, he tells Thomas, please, touch me, touch me. 
You don't, you don't believe that it's me? Then touch my hands and feel the scars, fear the whole sea. And, and then he goes and says, blessed are you because you see me and believe, but how much more blessed are those who do not see and yet they still believe? <clears throat> Mary's clinging to the security of the past and the familiarity of, of what she had known, but she had to let go of him so he could go to the Father. But her loss of Jesus, as he had been, meant that he could gain Jesus as he would forever be in her life, wherever she would go, wherever she was, because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be his presence in the world, not just for the few that followed him, but for the many who would believe. And that same spirit is here for you and for me today. That same spirit is with us today, walking and talking and being there with us. And if you don't know that spirit, if you haven't sensed that spirit, if you haven't welcomed that spirit into your world, into your heart, into your life, then I invite you today. What a great day to do that because Jesus wants to be there with you. So I love what happens. Mary then receives a commission from Jesus to go back and tell the disciples. Tell them, tell them that I'm ascending to my father and your father, here's a message I give you. I have a purpose for you. And, and really, I love the fact that Mary, who in that society probably wasn't very believable, you know, back in those days, women couldn't testify in court because, well, in a patriarchal society, and unfortunately, we still have uh, uh, some uh, resemblances of that today, women are not given the respect that they deserve, the equality that they are. And so that was the condition back then. And so I love that Jesus kind of, he always likes to push the envelope. And he sends a woman back to be the first apostle to tell the good story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The women went and told the story. He's risen from the grave. He's going to the Father. And so Jesus gave her a purpose. She felt like life was over for her. And then Jesus said, no, 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 no. No, it's just beginning. No, no, no. You have a plan. You have a purpose. And he commissioned her to go and tell the story. And then she went on from that day forever telling the story of the resurrected Lord and Savior, as did the other disciples. You see, when Jesus wants to tell others how they also can be written in. And the greatest people to tell that are those who've been written in. In other words, those whose lives have been transformed are the greatest messengers for Jesus Christ, right? It's not the preacher on a Sunday morning who's the best evangelist. It's the person that's working side by side with somebody else in the office who's living a different life, who's testifying to the fact that Jesus changed their life. Not that they're perfect, not that they have all the answers, but that person that's rubbing shoulders in the neighborhood, that's caring for the person that's hurting, that's cutting the grass of the elderly lady, that's, that's, that's bringing a meal to the person that's sick, that person in the neighborhood, that person who's at work, who is somehow, some way, being the hands and feet of Jesus is the best testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those who've been written in are those who Jesus wants to say, I want you to help others 
to be written in also. I want you to be the person to go. And so when Jesus writes you in, he sends you out. He sends you out. What that also means is don't be too quick to write other people off. Don't be one of those people who have a way of pointing fingers at others and say, ah, Jesus can't love them because I don't love them. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Don't project your prejudices on Jesus. Don't project your fears onto Jesus. Don't project your hatred onto Jesus because that's not Jesus. Let Jesus write you in. Let Jesus show you that there are people out there that you think are beyond reach that Jesus desperately loves and wants to reach. And he needs people like you and me to be the ones to go and reach them. So whatever you do, don't write people off. But most importantly, don't write Jesus off. So here on Easter, I want to leave you with that thought again. Please expect the unexpected with Jesus. I've been following him since I was a sophomore in high school when I came to Jesus. And I've seen a lot of people who've gone through a lot of things and they thought that was the end of their story, only to find out that over time, God had written another story for them. And often it was a better story. They thought when the worst thing happened that it was the last thing, but it wasn't the last thing. It was just another part of God and give, God gives us hope for a resurrection. And so three last thoughts I want to leave you in. The message of the resurrection Resurrection is this. Number one, you cannot write Jesus off. And Jesus will write you in. Number two, the worst thing isn't the last thing. And number three, when Jesus writes you in, expect the unexpected. Scripture talks about a thing called the book of life. In Revelation, it talks about it. In Psalms, it talks about it. Paul writes about it. Talks about the Lamb's book of life and somehow the names will be written in there. Those who've opened their hearts to the hope of resurrection, to the hope of new life, to the hope of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. Those whose lives are headed down a dead end path, but somehow they discovered that, that there was a new way, there was a better way and they believed that that though others had written them off, God had a way for them and God could bring them in and help them experience greater things. That those who have this hope, who have this belief, their names get written in the, in the book of life because they believe in Jesus' forgiveness and his love and his mercy, which gives them a new beginning. Though others had written them off, God made a way for them to experience this. And so I think that resurrection isn't just about going to heaven when you die. I think it's about living and bringing heaven down to earth now while we live. I think it's about beginning now, beginning now and living in a new life in a new way. And so I just ask, is your heart open to that? Is it possible to believe that? Is there a resurrection awaiting you? I'm convinced that Jesus is in the business of giving people like Mary Magdalene, like you and me, a new beginning.
And so I want to pray. And on this Easter morning, I ask you, I challenge you, I implore you, don't blink. Don't miss it. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you that your resurrection changes everything for us. I thank you, God, when others have written us off, you have written us in. And God, I pray that all of us in this place have the assurance that we are written into that Lamb's book of life, that, that, that place that says these are those who had belief. They, they looked in, they glanced in, they explored, they believed. And God, we know that that's a work of God. And so the Spirit of God, I just ask that you'll work on our hearts today. Let the message of the resurrection ring true in our hearts today that we might be people who live with the hope of resurrection and the belief that anyone and everyone can come to Christ, that the last thing isn't the worst, the worst thing isn't the last thing. And so God, I just pray for everyone in this room. And if, if there's people that are here that maybe are taking a deeper step in to explore, that, that they'll do that today and that, that you may meet them spiritually. Open our eyes. Let the light go on for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.